Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. And you can have a seat. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus 28 and 29? Those are we read excerpts from those chapters. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's Bibles on the chairs throughout the room, and you'll find Exodus 28 on page 107. In 1936, King Edward VIII became king of England, the British Empire. And uh, by the end of the year, he decided he didn't want to be king anymore. And so he relinquished his throne. He relinquished his role as king. That's called abdication. When you're supposed to fulfill an office and you uh, step out, you, you, you don't do that. And it caused chaos and unrest and mistrust all throughout England and the British Empire and really all throughout Europe and the world because um, the West was just a couple years away from the beginning of World War II. So this was a huge crisis in England because a, a king was supposed to symbolize stability, protection, care, trust. And when he stepped out of that role and didn't fulfill that role, it left a hole. And that's what happens when someone abdicates a role, it leaves a hole. <laughs> that's on a grand scale of kings and nations, but we've experienced that personally, haven't we? Can you, can you think of some of the people in your life who have had the role of stability, protection, care, wisdom, those people that that have fulfilled that office or that role in your life? Can you see their faces, remember their names? Do you still remember some of the things they told you, some of the ways they were there for you when you needed them? We know the inverse is true as well, right? We can think of, sometimes as we grow older, we see more and more where there were holes because people didn't step into the roles that we needed them to. Maybe a supervisor at work who just does not create a, a stable environment where you can do your job, or maybe in a classroom where a teacher doesn't have clear expectations, or maybe they belittle uh, students and so it's hard to succeed, and maybe in a family where a parent isn't able to be there in a way their child needs them to be. That absence of someone in that role leaves a hole. This morning, I want to talk to you about a role that maybe is even more important than all of those. It's the role that we read about in Exodus, the role of a priest, the office of priest. And we don't, uh, you know, think about or talk about priests very often in our daily lives these days. Um, certainly not in our kind of public uh, civic life. So a priest is just someone who helps connect people to God. Priests help connect people to God. In this part of Exodus, we see the role of the priest created or ordained by God and described in detail, the details of the clothing, the details of the ordination service, the service where they're made a priest. And all of this matters for us today for three really, really important reasons. 
It matters that we know what a priest is and does for three really important reasons. The first one's this, and the most important one's this, that later on in the Bible, Jesus is called our high priest. And so if we want to know who Jesus is, then we need to know what it, a priest is and does. Second, those who follow Jesus are then called a kingdom of priests. And if you follow Jesus, then you need to know who it is that you are and what it is that you're called to do. And third, if abdicating a role leads a, a whole and that hole causes chaos and hurt and confusion, then we need to know how to make sure we don't do that. That we are people who fulfill our role as a kingdom of priests. So let's look together at this passage from Exodus. I want to start with how it is uh, that priests connect people to God. And there's a couple different ways. First, we can see in uh, the end of chapter 29, um, Nathan just read these verses for us. If you look at the end of 29, it's on page 111. God is, is saying that he's consecrating the tent of meeting and the altar, and he's consecrating Aaron, Moses' brother, and his family to serve as priests. And then in verse 45, he says, Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. And I just, we just have to include verse 46, because verse 46 is the entire thesis statement of the book of Exodus packed right here at this moment, and it's that God has delivered us to dwell with us. That's what we've been talking about with our titles of our two parts of the series, right? It's this verse. Underline it in your Bible, or in the Bible on the pew. That's fine, too. Um, but he says he's consecrating the priests so that he can dwell with them. It's the priest's role to, to offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, to make a way for a sinful people to be able to to connect with God. And so that's the priest's role, to help people connect with God. And they do it in two ways. If we turn back over to chapter 28, we'll see the first way in the first couple of sentences. Verse 2, make sacred garments for your brother Aaron to give him dignity and honor. That should remind us of the psalm we just read together. It's the same phrases there. But dignity and honor, it makes it sound like this is about Aaron. And it's not about Aaron. Another translation of these words is um, beauty and glory. Now, when we hear the words beauty and glory in Exodus, we should think, well, those are words that usually describe God. Exactly. The, the clothes that Aaron wears are supposed to symbolize the presence of God. They're, they're um, words that are connected to the heavens, to heaven. So these are heavenly clothes. That's where the dignity and honor comes from, which it's kind of funny because then when he describes the clothes, they include uh, undergarments. So I don't know like how dignifying or honoring Aaron felt about that, that everyone was reading about the undergarments that God told him to wear. But uh, they are heavenly undergarments. That's the point, the point here. All right, so when Aaron is there in that role, he is bringing the presence of God to the people. He's representing God to the people, so God's presence can come to the people. Now, later in chapter 28, it says that he has a kind of a vest, um, a breastplate uh, that starts in verse 15, and that on that are 12 precious jewels, one to represent each of the families 
within the people of Israel, each of the 12 different uh, households. And it's got their names on them. And so not only does God, uh, do, do the priests bring the presence of God to the people, but they bring the people into the presence of God. Those are the two ways that priests help connect God and his people. Bring God's presence to the people and bring the people into the presence of God. So priests represent God to the world and bring the world to God. Priests talk to God about the people. They say, God, bless them, heal them, forgive them, save them, provide for them. Well, they also talk to the people about God. God loves you. He's invited you into a covenant relationship with him. Here's what his word says. Here's how we can follow it. They talk to God about the people, and they talk to the people about God, because they're connecting people to God. That's what priests do. Say this with me. Priests connect people to God. Priests connect people to God. And so Jesus comes, and the New Testament calls him a new and better priest. Jesus comes to fulfill that role a new and better priest. He's called our great priest, our high priest. And so he makes a sacrifice to connect us to God, to forgive us of our sins, and it's a sacrifice of himself. And he represents us before God as fully human. He represents us in his very nature. And, and he represents God to us as fully God. In his incarnation, he becomes the way that we connect with God. So now God is the one who connects us with God. Hallelujah. We connect directly to the Lord, directly to Jesus, a new and a better priest. And if you have a chance, as we finish these last chapters of our study of Exodus, to read the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it's filled with all of these images and metaphors made better and new and fulfilled in Jesus. It's about 30 minutes. It will be well worth your time. And so the priesthood, the role of a priest is a picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. But it's also a picture of who the people of God are and what they do. Do you remember before Aaron's ordination that we read about today, three weeks ago, we read about another ceremony with the people of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. And there were sacrifices and blood was sprinkled on them. All the same things that will happen for Aaron and his sons happen for the entire people. We talked about it as a, a wedding ceremony, but it was also an ordination. Before Aaron and his sons are ordained, the entire nation, the entire people of Israel are ordained. The Lord says to them there, I brought you here on eagle's wings to myself so that you can be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, my treasured possession. This was always the plan for the people of God. From the very first promise to Abraham and to Sarah that through their children, all nations would be blessed, a priest word. And so now God is going to do it through all the people of Israel. So 
the priesthood of priests, Aaron and his family, is secondary to the priesthood of the entire people. Aaron and his family are priests to the nation so that the nation can be priests to the world. God's plan is for Aaron and his family's ordination to remind all the people and teach all the people of their ordination. The priests help the people to connect with God so that the people can help the world connect to God. Isn't that amazing? And that's not just true of Israel. We, as the church, the followers of Jesus, are called a kingdom of priests. The Apostle Peter does this in his first uh, letter. He starts the letter by quoting Exodus 19. He says, to the church called by the sprinkling of blood, he's referencing their ordination through their baptism in Jesus' death and resurrection. And then he goes on to say, you're being built into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation, God's treasured possession. He's quoting Exodus 19. And he's saying, church, just like Israel was ordained as a people to connect the world to God, church, so are you. The Apostle John says the same thing at the opening of his letter uh, of Revelation. He says, Jesus freed us from our sins by his blood, again, the sacrifice of our great high priest, and has made us a kingdom of priests, the priesthood of all believers, that in your baptism, you have been ordained to connect the world to God, to Jesus, the great high priest. And so we have the history of Israel as priests. We have the history of Aaron's family as priests. We have Jesus as our high priest so that we can be a family of priests. And just like the people of Israel, the only reason the church has those who are ordained is so that the entire church can live out her ordination. I'm only ordained so that all of us can be priests. Paul makes this really clear in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, the ministry of the leaders is to equip the saints. And what is the word saint? The holy ones, the set-apart ones. It's not a stretch to say the ordained ones. Now, different churches have different titles and practices for the ordination of leaders. Some use the word priest like we do. Some don't. Everyone uses the word ordination, which is a priest word. Some of them call their leaders pastors, a beautiful title, which means shepherd. But they're only shepherds under Jesus, the good shepherd, so that the church can be shepherds for the world. Some church traditions call their leaders apostles, which means messengers or sent ones. But they're only sent ones under Jesus, who was sent by the Father, who sent the Spirit, so that the church could be sent ones for the world. And some traditions call their leaders priests but only under the great high priest Jesus, and only so that the entire church can be priests for the world. We are a kingdom of priests, 
If you follow Jesus, that is your office. That is your identity and mine. That's all of our role together. And we dare not abdicate it. We dare not step out of that role and leave a hole. The great failure of the people of Israel is that she abdicated her office as priest to the world. And a great failure of today is how many pastors abdicate their office as priests to help the church connect the world to the Lord in exchange for worldly success or organizational success or status or celebrity or power. A great failure in the world and in the church today is that so many Christians, we abdicate our office as priests and we leave it just to the pastors. And a great failure of the church today is that pastors often like that. And a great failure of, of followers of Jesus today is that we abdicate our role as parents, as priests in our homes. We dare not say that it's the ones up front who do the ministry, that it's the ones who are ordained who help connect people to God. We dare not say that's not my role. That would be an abdication, and that would leave a hole in the church and in the world. That's what we all do together, a kingdom of priests. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we're ordained, all of us, to help people connect to Jesus, to talk to God about the people in our life. God bless them. God help them. God heal them and provide for them and save them and forgive them. And to talk to the people in our life about God. God loves you. God knows you. He invites you into relationship with him. Here's how you can follow him. Here's what his word says. We are priests, and our world needs us. So what do priests do? What do priests do? What are some easy things that we can think about that priests do? Well, actually, our Sunday morning service teaches us what priests do. There's a few things that a priest does in a Sunday morning service, and the priest does it so that all of us can do it. The first thing a priest does is a priest prays. A priest prays for all of us and together. We see Aaron as a priest interceding in Exodus. We see Jesus interceding as our great high priest for Jerusalem. And then now at the right hand of the Father, and we want to be a church that prays for one another. We want to be a church that prays for one another. That's priestly work. We had a healing prayer workshop on Monday night, and Rachel Fruin and her teaching during that time said, one of the, the reasons we share our needs and weaknesses with one another and confess our sins to one another and pray for one another is so that we can bring those into the presence of God and then see Him as our great high priest provide. So we share needs, so then we can share in the joy and the celebration of the Lord meeting us in those needs. We want to be a church like that. We want to be a church that doesn't say, oh, I'll pray for you, and then 
maybe do that later or maybe not do that later. <laughs> we want to be a church that says, can I pray for you right now? Let's take that need together into the presence of God and let's bring the presence of God right here amongst us. And I love when I see at the end of a service on Sunday just prayer happening all throughout this room and at our prayer ministry that happens over here. And I, I just want to see us grow in that prayer more and more. COVID made it a little bit complicated. Most of us are vaccinated or we've had it or both, right? We can pray for one another. We can put our hands on someone's shoulder and pray for them right now, right here. We can go receive prayer from a prayer team member. And throughout our week, we can pray for one another. We practice being priests of prayer on Sundays so that we do it all week long. Priests pray. And priests read the Bible and teach the Bible. I was talking with one of y'all. Um, I didn't have a chance to ask for permission to use this story, so I'll, I'll say it anonymously. But one of you all had a, has had a chance through your work to be um, working with someone from a different culture who has zero experience with the Bible or Christianity. Never heard any of the Bible. And so one of you have been able to invite them to read the Bible with you and to, to, to read it and to explain what's going on and to hear questions. And it's been so exciting <laughs> to read and teach the Bible. Have you ever done that with someone? Maybe with a child, maybe with someone who's exploring the faith, maybe with someone who just is coming to faith. That's priestly work. If you've never done that and you would think, boy, I don't, I don't know if I know how to do that, ask for, for help. Ask for someone to do a priestly thing of reading and teaching with you so that you can do it for someone else. Join our City Kids team and learn to read and teach the Bible to children. Join one of our groups where we read the Bible every week and learn how to understand it. Ask Jesus, bring me someone this week that I could pray for. Bring me someone this week that I could read the Bible with. Priest pray, priest read, priest minister the forgiveness of Jesus. When we pray our prayer of confession, every week I remind us that no matter what you've done, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you. Priest minister that gospel of forgiveness. And we want to be a church where we practice that type of confession, where we're not afraid to need Jesus, where we humbly say, I'm a sinner, and I have brokenness, and I need healing, and we're all going to confess those things together, and we're going to appropriately disclose those and confess those things to one another so that we can remind ourselves that Jesus is a great high priest who's forgiven us. That is priestly work. And we become a community of priests when we confess and forgive. That reconciles us to God, and that reconciles us to one another, and that makes us in the world a people of priestly reconciliation. Priests reconcile. They minister forgiveness, and priests gather at the table. They gather at the table to celebrate communion. It's an act um, of, of inviting to Jesus' presence. We have nothing to offer except our presence as Jesus' presence. 
And so we invite always to Jesus. It's not about Aaron. <laughs> it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so we invite people to his table. Part of our priestly practice is to bring our household to communion every Sunday. It's part of your job as a priest to do everything you can to bring your household to the table every Sunday and to bring others to your table throughout the week. Because every table we sit at as priests, we bring or invite people into the presence of Jesus. Priests, bless. This is how we end every service. And later on, um, God will tell Moses, here's how I'd like Aaron to bless the people as a priest. And this is the blessing that God gives to Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the Lord says, so, in doing that, the priest will put my name on the people. Put my name on the people. They'll minister the presence of Jesus. Our world desperately needs the blessing of God. That is the whole in our world. That is what has been abdicated. And we get to minister that. The love and invitation of God, that God is a God who longs to deliver us and dwell with us. We can look for ways to bless. The priests in Exodus would wear that breastplate that had the, the names of the people on them. They would, they would carry the people with them into the presence of God written on their robes. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus carries each of our names with him, standing in the presence of the Father. And that's what we do for the world. We bring the names of those who need the Lord into the presence of the Lord. We bring them with us. Whose names are written on your robes? As a priest, who is in your parish? <laughs> we talked a few months ago about our frank prayer, praying for friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers. That is a priestly work of saying, Lord, who are you calling me to share your presence with? We're also priests for children in our lives. For us as a church, we are all priests for every child here, every child who comes here. It's our role to invite them to connect with Jesus. And we read Matthew 18 where Jesus says, let the children come to me. Don't do anything that would keep them from coming to Jesus. Our role as priests is to bring children to Jesus, and Jesus reserves his harshest words for anyone who would abdicate their role as priests in the life of a children, for anyone who by their neglect or abuse would keep children from connecting with God. Well, I've preached uh, several entire messages on that passage before, and I, I wrote another entire message on that this week and don't have time for it. We'll do that one soon. 
Be a priest for the children in your life. Pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Minister the forgiveness of Jesus with them. Invite them to Jesus' presence and bring them to the table. For, for parents in a household, a huge part of your role as priests is to bring them to communion each week and to bring them to baptism when, when they're ready. Be priests in your household with your children. We want to be a kingdom of priests, helping each other, helping our children, helping others in our life and in our world find a new day in Jesus, helping them connect to Jesus, the high priest. And it's in our baptisms that we become priests. And so we have our baptismal font right here every Sunday to remind us that we've been ordained. You might not feel like you have what it takes to be part of a kingdom of priests. Maybe this morning you're all too aware of the holes in your own heart from roles that have been abdicated. We all have those. You might feel like you're brand new at this, so were Aaron and his sons. But you've been baptized into this office. Not alone, as part of a people, together, where we help fill those abdicated roles in each other's life so that all together we can fulfill that role in the world. You have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. You have been baptized into a royal family. You have been clothed in white. You are the Lord's treasured possession. You are a holy people filled with a Holy Spirit. Be who you are. We are a kingdom of priests. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.